0: The Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome into another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Kravitz, joined by the man himself. He, of course, is Mike Genetti. Playoff baseball mode for this guy. We've got baseball on in the middle of the day this time of year. I mean, you must be in absolute heaven. I like baseball. You're a baseball nerd, so this is like this is like Christmas.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm certainly watching at 3 p.m. Eastern. I don't know how many people in you know Tampa Bay were watching or 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 you know tuned in or wanting to go to the game. That was a pretty poor showing, both by fans and by team down there. But I'm in. I'm in from three to ten, three to eleven every night here. And uh, you know my team's not in it, but I'm. I'm certainly here to watch for the next couple of weeks. No question.
0: I can give you the quick state of Florida spin. The Rays actually do really well in terms of TV numbers. They get a lot of support. I bet in Tampa. But no one goes to the games, and you know that—that I guess is like a whole other discussion for another day. But uh, do you think the stadium's gonna fix it? No, 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 no. No, I don't either. I think it'll—it'll fix it temporarily because it'll have bells and whistles, and people will want to go check it out. the The Trop isn't that bad. It's that most of the people that attend the Trop have been to other baseball stadiums in the country. And that's where it really falls apart. It's not that the, like I always tell people that haven't been there, it's not like when you walk in, they're smacking you in the face with wet towels. It's not a bad place to be. It's just that if you've ever been to pretty much any other park, yeah. it just doesn't have that same baseball feel. It's like you're watching a game in a giant garage. So yeah. it, you know, I, I think that baseball fans don't really love that. It's a it's definitely a trek. From Tampa to St. Pete, because you got it, you've got one bridge to cross. And where most baseball games are at night, it takes a while to get over there. So it's just not worth it for a lot of folks. And then the other side of the stadium is water. So, you know, unless you got fish attending games, you don't get a lot of attendance from that. So they, yeah. they've got they've got a number of issues, but nineteen thousand for a playoff game, Mike. That that's not good no matter how not you spin it
1: no not good at all um and the team certainly responded right that was a pretty lackluster performance yeah pretty wild that that all of these series are one and done we're just out of here there's nothing to do today that's pretty wild there's no way baseball anticipated this right um you know thursday night football is loving this right because they've got one of the worst games of the year and now there's no other eyeballs anywhere outside of nba preseason so uh, it's wild how this works. Baseball really can't catch a break with this.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and I was thinking, uh, I was trying to think of what the correlation was, maybe that all of the games are played in the same stadium. Well, then, then the home teams would have an advantage, but it was a split. Two home teams move on, two away teams move on. So mm-hmm. that's not the answer. Do you have any sort of theory as to why we didn't get a single third game in the wild card round? I
1: don't. Um, I thought the matchups worked out. You know, I, I know that was that wasn't random. And it's certainly how the the CBA says it has to be. But I thought it was evenly matched matchups. And I, I liked what certain teams did, you know, uh, not even going with their ace in game one, knowing that they had a couple of aces in the hole down the road. I, I don't know. This one just didn't make sense to me. I, there's no financial aspect to it. That's for sure. Um, you know, there were some interesting roster decisions, I believe that, uh, came up in certain series, but just to have it with nothing here Thursday, um, I'm not super in favor of one team having the advantage for, for, in terms of the stadium for all three of these games, but I understand what they're doing here. They're trying to I- increase the value of the regular season as much as possible. It's a marathon, but I, I don't know. I, I think this is just fluky. I, if you, if you ran this 10 times, this wouldn't happen nine out of 10 most likely, but, um, look, we got some good baseball, you know, the Phillies look amazing right now as they did last, this time last year. Uh, the twins actually look real. Uh, they're playing defense. They're doing everything you want them to do right now. So, uh, you know, in Texas has been like this all year. I feel like they just stumbled the last week of the season and that's why they were here this week. But uh, I don't know. I, I the right teams, won, in my opinion. And I, I think that's just where we are. maybe, maybe Maybe the only negative I can bring into it is maybe we shouldn't even have the expanded postseason, right? Maybe that's what this is saying.
0: Well, I mean, you want those extra TV games, but yeah, the it is the, yeah. the teams that are accustomed to stumbling or, or maybe shouldn't have even been there to begin with because the Marlins come to mind when I say that would have been much more entertaining if we're going to throw an extra playoff team in there. The Padres would have been nice. I think the Cubs would have given a better series to Philadelphia. So it's like, they they didn't really feel like they, they deserve to be there. And you get the Rays, the Rays have gone two postseasons now in a row where they've scored one run in their series. Uh, The Blue Jays second year in a row where they've been swept in the wild card round. So it's a lot of uh, familiar faces. They're stumbling right now.
1: Yeah. I did a pod Monday or uh, yeah, Monday with, uh, with Dan from spot track and we did basically an hour on all of these teams and how we think this might go this year and next year. Toronto and Tampa Bay were at the top of our list of n- not so much don't belong here now, but probably don't have sustainability in this postseason and then probably don't look much the same next year. I think Tampa Bay in your in your hometown there is, is in for a reckoning, is in for some some maybe some some big time cleanup, maybe some maybe a rip it up start over process. Um I think they got three or four players that they could trade tomorrow if they wanted to, and I think that's where this might be headed. So you know, not so much what they didn't do this year, but it, but it's going to get expensive to go back to back to back and not be actual contenders. And I f- that's what I feel like they are right now.
0: Uh, a great episode the other day that you mentioned that you, you and Dan put out there. Six division winners, a deep dive into the baseball world, really good stuff. I listened to that. Uh, get my uh, get my update on on everything going on with the six teams that were able to uh, to clinch their division. Which before we move on, I get some NBA stuff. We re- really have the whole sports world covered here today on the pod. Uh, is there a matchup that you're most looking forward to in the divisional round of the playoff? Well, Philly's hot. So Philly gets this Braves team
1: probably at their best. And that's awesome because the Braves may not have the race in max free. Maybe even if he's out there, maybe he's short term, he's on a pitch count. Um, and I just think this Philadelphia team has done this before. They know exactly what this feels like, you know, not so much Trey Turner, but he's got experience with this as well. This they just feel like the right opponent for that big Goliath right now, and uh, I'm in for a long series on that one. Hopefully, I, in the American League, I, I don't I don't feel like any of those teams stand out to me. You know, Texas was probably the best regular season hitting team that we saw all year. Houston has done this before, so I guess that's the team I'm watching. Right, it's Philadelphia and Houston. Can they sneak out from the bottom and get all the way to the top? They definitely can. Um, but there, are they peaking at the right time? We'll see if that's the case in both instances.
0: This will be the third time in the last 30 years, the Phillies and Braves have met in the postseason, and the Phillies have won both. I know so my soul. Yeah, they love my this time of year. They, uh, they certainly do excel. They, they're that perfect team that gets hot at the exact right time. they, they they've got the payroll to back it up, but definitely some momentum in their favor. NBA superstar drama ever present in the league and now we're past the Damian Lillard stuff and we turn our attention to the captain of all things drama James Harden he's joined his teammates in Colorado he's an active participant in Sixers training camp what's the logical next step for both parties James Harden goes there trying to see if he can create some awkwardness and it looks like the Sixers are trying to do their part to keep him happy so what do you see as the next move and a time frame there?
1: All I keep thinking about every time this this whole situation is referenced is Marshawn Lynch saying, "I'm just here so I don't get fined." That's all I feel like is happening right now. They're just putting on this dog and pony show um, because he knows how much money he already lost. Right? He, he's already lost. There's no question. James Harden has already lost. Um, he's not getting the hundred million. He's not getting the max extension we're not even sure if he's going to make the 36 million this year right now because there's so many semantics in place. It does feel like Philadelphia is doing their part. Um, do they want him out there playing basketball? I I guess. I, I guess that's where we're headed. I don't know. This just feels like it's getting towards Jimmy Butler, Minnesota territory, which got real toxic. Um, and he was not afraid to get public and talk about what was happening. You know, Harden's been a little bit more, passive aggressive with this stuff he's kind of doing you know things behind the scenes in his own personal time not so much around the team we'll see if that changes if that changes then there's no way these two two can continue on forward we got what about 25 days here before we have to actually mean something i don't know i don't get the impression that it's good for philadelphia to keep this guy in the roster but i don't know you're just gonna sit him down and make him not play for money probably that's probably where we're headed is this is just a good show to, to, to try to get some of those other teams like the Clippers and maybe Toronto back in in the fold, back in the mix. I don't know why anybody would bail out Philadelphia
0: right now, man. I really don't know. So, but if you're Philadelphia and you're in this arms race and in yeah. the Eastern Conference, how do you stay afloat there? I mean, I'm I, not even sure James Harden helps with what your ultimate goal is, because this guy stumbles in the postseason as much as anybody that I've ever seen in sports versus what he's able to do in the regular season. So they haven't been able to get over the hump. You can't let him not play or get nothing for him because then you've just got Joel Embiid sitting there as a middle of the pack Eastern conference team. And they have to know that. Yeah, that's a good point. And by the way, Harden was
1: great last year for what five, at least five months. He was an assist maniac. He was a perfect compliment to Joel Embiid for a long time. And then, you know, everything kind of turned serious. And when it got serious, he decided to take things in his own hands. And that's when it got ugly. Um, I, if he can be that player, they didn't replace him. You know, there's no other James Harden player on this roster right now. And, and Maxi is a different version of what a guard can be with, with James Harden. He is not a James Harden replacement. So you're right. They need him, right? They need him to sustain. And they need something to keep Joel Embiid happy. Because if not, he will be public. I mean, yeah. he has already started to be public. He will be absolutely public about his request to leave. And once once that happens, you're going to lose the city. And once you lose the city in Philly, boy, oh boy, there's no coming back from that.
0: Yeah, well said. Uh, the team is trying to foster a healthy relationship, as we mentioned. Even paying him 25% of his contract uh, last Friday, or this yeah. coming Friday, rather, is that an act of good faith, or, or is that... Cause I, from what, from what I understand, you can explain this to all of us is that's just paying him two days earlier than they otherwise were going to. Right. Yeah. I Man, most of these superstars
1: have a lot of different payment structures built in so that they get their money in big chunks. And a lot of it happens before the season. Uh, we went, we went down this road with Ben Simmons trying to figure out his actual pay structure when all those suspensions and fines were kicking in. Um,
0: he he really
1: hasn't breached contract yet, right? So Philadelphia has to follow suit right now. Otherwise, you know, the lawyers start looking in their direction and not just his. Certainly the you know, the Maury stuff coming out publicly is is starting to trickle into that direction. And there's probably an argument to be made there. But I think it's easier just for Philadelphia to follow suit, make the payments, and then if they have to fight it at some point in time, they can look to recoup. Um, but I think they want to do everything possible right now to make sure that they are following protocol because they know that this guy will break protocol when the time comes. You know what I mean? They don't have to wait around for them to make a mistake. He's going to
0: make the mistake. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If they they stay buttoned up, then they'll be covered there. I was thinking about where it makes sense for James Harden. And this is a conversation that that we have on my show in Orlando talking NBA all the time. And the only team I can ever come up with is the LA Clippers. I go to the odds list though, and they are buried. So I must be missing something here. Is there a team that you think makes obvious sense if Harden is dealt? Yeah, there is,
1: except for everything about it that could be a disaster, right? I mean, Miami could really use him. Could, they could really use this guy next to Jimmy Butler because they're two completely different style players. Number one, can you imagine those two guys in the locker room together when things aren't going well? I can't, I, I think it would be absolutely destructive. And Jimmy two, Butler would bite his head off. I mean, right. I mean, yeah. he, he has got to be the alpha. That's why so many superstars have come and gone from that organization, right. Or, or from him, from Jimmy Butler organizations. And two, I don't know. I mean, is Harden still this, has he grown up at all? Or is the city of Miami just going to eat him alive, right? I mean, I feel like it's just asking for more trouble. I don't know. But look, roster-wise, and if you're looking for a, a team who's, who needs to be desperate, right? They are contenders. They have been. They have shown they have the ability to get to the finish line. But maybe they needed one more piece, and they haven't gotten that piece yet. I think Harden can be that complementary piece to that roster. I just don't know that Pat Raleigh wants anything to do with it right now.
0: Or Jimmy Butler. They know that was one yeah, of the things sure. when they were going through that run. I had a I had some conversations with guys that cover the team and and I asked, How is Jimmy Butler turned into the ultimate teammate when his rap prior to getting to Miami is that nobody could get along with him? And 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 what I was told was that the reason why no one could get along with them is because nobody was as obsessed with basketball as he was. So it was mm-hmm. all for reasons that for the reasons we love the Miami Heat and that quote unquote heat culture. Uh, The other teams he played for, those guys that he played with, Carl Anthony Towns being one of them, Joel Embiid early in his career, they didn't embody that, and so he didn't get along. They they just bumped heads. James Harden does not strike me as the kind of guy that Jimmy Butler would get along with, but Miami does need to beef up a little bit. All they've done is lost pieces, and they haven't added them. If anybody can overcome it, it's Miami. That's where they end up there. By the way, I do think
1: Minnesota is another team on this list.
0: Um, they
1: feel like they have a lot of the right pieces. They feel like it's not I feel like it's not cohesive enough right now. I'm not sure the Gobert move was was, you know, in their favor, at least right now. Um, that could be a shake it up kind of situation where Anthony Edwards actually learns a couple of things from 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 a player like James Harden, uh, becomes a little bit more selfish in his own right. Uh, even if it's just for this one-year rental, that's a team I think that is fringe contender in their own right that could use a little shakeup just like that.
0: Yeah. That one, I think that makes a lot of sense right now. You've got Minnesota at 12 to one, and this was updated three days ago. Um, Philly's still the favorite to keep him. Miami's at five to one, the Clippers who I thought were the shoe in to be the top team involved 20 to one. So even the, the the Lakers, the Portland trailblazers have shorter odds. I mean, this is all just people guessing, but, um, Do you want to shoot my my Clippers idea? uh, Do you want to shoot that down now before I get even more gassed up about it as a team that needs that one more piece to get over the hump?
1: I think they are looking in the mirror right now saying we are just stuck in the mud. So rather than add more weight and keep us even more stuck, let's just ride this thing out. Um, It's going to be one of the most disastrous acquisitions, you know, you know, rosters constructions ever because of what they gave up because of the money they paid out because they, I mean, they literally changed the rules, right? This load management stuff is built from Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers. It is, it is literally driven from that locker room. Uh, It's just a mess. And I don't see any, any sort of scenario where they get those two players, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard on the, on the court for more than 40 games again this year together I would not throw a player like this who is combustible, who just who, who may want to just take over. You know, they tried this with Westbrook and 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 I just think if it wasn't gonna work there, a player who's actually kind of well liked, there's yeah. no way that a player like James Harden can come in and write this ship for one season. No chance for me.
0: Okay, let's uh, let's fit one more basketball question in there, and then we've got some some heavy hitter quick hits to get to. Mm -hmm. Now that the dust has settled on the Dame deal, we discussed this last week that we're not really going to have a true grade until – Yeah, can we grade it now? (laughs) Yeah, well, that's what I wanted to ask because I'll give you the full (laughs) breakdown – I am not want to keep this as simple as possible because there were a lot of moving pieces. I'm just talking about, we're grading the Blazers here. What did, in terms of what they were able to get at the end of the day, the players that they obtained, DeAndre Ayton, Robert Williams III, Malcolm Brogdon, Tumani Kamara, I don't think he's going to factor into your grade much. <laughs> Draft capital, three first round picks and two pick swaps with Milwaukee. So how do you feel now that the dust has settled?
1: I have to say, if this is what they wanted to do, they did phenomenal. I didn't think this is the road they wanted to go down. I thought they wanted nothing but picks and rental assets, and they just wanted to get off, basically get in, get out of this thing with as good of a, uh, a non-financial takeover as they could do. They brought in a big contract in Aiden. They brought in a nice contract in Robert Williams, and then basically a rental for Brogdon, more, more or less. Um, but I read this more as... They found a way to make this trade, not only make them better right now, but also shed some money a little bit here and there too, and, and shed what could be two or three disastrous years for Dame, if he's not healthy and is up in age here. Um, so, the way I look at it is, from a, from a trade Dame standpoint, it's a win. It's a huge win. It's a B plus A minus if you want to go there. If they look are looking to be actual contenders in the West, a, a situation that you know may maybe not be crazy. This is a better team. I mean, they have added pieces that complement this unbelievable backcourt that they've assessed with, uh, you know, through the last couple of drafts. Uh, this is a team that could go out and add ten to twelve wins this year. There's no question in my mind. Um, so I think they accomplished everything they wanted to. I just didn't, didn't think they wanted to to build the roster up this quickly. Um, maybe letting those kids grow up one more season together, and then then maybe ascertain another big high draft pick and go from there. But they feel ready. And they've got players now, yeah, there's red flags on all of them, but they've got players who can come in and make them better immediately. So yeah. I, I'm in on it. I,
0: I think they did a great job. Uh, enhancing your win total, always easier when you're, when you're trying to win. So that, that I think helps them in terms of this year. And I yeah. like the roster as well. You and I are big fans of trade creativity. And this mm-hmm. to me was, this was a creative way to get the deal done. We want all of this, but we're not going to get all of this from one place. They got how many different teams involved at the end of the day and were able to were able to get cash in on Damian Lillard. I think it's a, it could be one of those lessons learned for if I was another GM in the league, I'd be writing this one down and saying we might use this as a template. Yeah, I just love that.
1: You know, the initial every single conversation initially was Tyler Hero because Miami was the only team being mentioned and portland basically just said fine if that if that's the conversation we're going to go find a better tyler hero <laughs> right? we're going to find one that plays defense and actually scores and has some winning pedigree and all that stuff so i i just think it was brilliant you know they they used time on their side they spent you know they shopped the entire league and they had that that holiday situation to to boston pretty much figured out cuz it took 48 hours to process then you knew that was
0: all set all right let's get to our quick hits mike i've got some uh some heavy hitters for you here we'll start with jonathan taylor week five it looks like he's probably gonna play he's been a participant Mm -hmm. in practice for the colts and all of a sudden the reports we're hearing is that it's kumbaya in indianapolis so are you believing that or is this a showcase for jonathan taylor so that they can trade him
1: yeah, I'll softball answer this and say it can be both. Look, the best thing that happened to this entire situation for Indy is that Indy actually wins ball games. I mean, I, nobody saw this coming—that they're essentially tied for first place in this garbage division right now. But they're good. Um, I think they're, they're doing enough, and I think uh, I think that offensive coordinator and things like that are really showing enough to say that there's some real talent out there. There's some real scheming happening. Um, it's not just you know throwing Anthony Richardson to the wolves and hoping that his athleticism can make some plays. It is a lot of that, but it does feel like it's got that Philly brand of football. And if they can make this work for a year, you're going to keep this guy around. Because if Zach Moss can rip off 100-yard games with a broken arm, what the hell can Jonathan Taylor do in this offense? <laughs> right. I, I mean it. I mean, this guy's got to feel like I'm going to walk into you know, 120, 130, maybe 15 catches over the next couple of games. I mean, he he knows what he can do if he's fully healthy and he may not be, that's the thing. But the offense has to excite him. There's no question about it. This this is probably the most exciting quarterback he's ever seen um, sitting sitting in front of him. So I, I do think that it's intrigued him to stay. But if there's not a contract there, he can't stay. And he knows it. And he knows there's other teams out there Maybe even the Packers still. I've heard that quite a bit since you and I have talked about it. Yeah, That will give him at least close to the top dollar to come and play for them. Um, The Colts have certainly done their part, though. They're winning ballgames.
0: Yeah, I mean, if I'm Jonathan Taylor, I'm much more excited to come back to this situation than the situation that you thought he was going to come back to. So perhaps his mood has legitimately changed. J.C. Jackson, big-time cornerback dealt from the Chargers back to New England. What do you make of this move?
1: Holy cow. Um, One of the biggest free agent busts we've had. I mean, this was the biggest free agent contract two years ago. It was 82 and a half million over five years for a cornerback that was phenomenal in, in the Patriots defense. But man, how many players have left the Patriots and then just become nothing? You know, every time they trade away a player, I think to myself, well, there's a reason, you know, and he's losing some of that clout, Bill Belichick. I'm not trying to you know keep him on this pedestal for too long. But this is obviously another example of that, where this guy just didn't fit anywhere else but that defense, uh, to the point of where, and this is why this trade looked like it did. They were going to release him. They were going to outright release him with his fully guaranteed salary this year. Um, there's nothing guaranteed after this, so even the Patriots can walk away from this after this year. The Chargers paid almost every single dollar of this salary this year. The the Patriots are basically on the hook for a a buck and a half, one point five million, for the rest of the year. Uh it's unbelievable dead cap hits to the Chargers this this year and next year. They just wanted to get out of this. And the fact that they were able to get a couple of late picks, pick pops, which is all they actually got, nothing conditional even, is just a sign that we'll take anything to, to get him off our books. And the Patriots did it so that he didn't become a free agent and a better team, right? Couldn't swoop him up for the one million dollar minimum salary because that would have happened. But this was a fit for the Patriots. He should have never left. But in doing so, the Chargers paid him $25 million signing points for one year, $38.5 <laughs> million for two years of work. That's what the Chargers paid him for seven games.
0: And the Patriots need it right now, too, because they're yeah. struggling. And Christian Gonzalez, their rookie, who's been sensational, is hurt right now. So they needed the help in their secondary. This is where I will still blow smoke up Bill's rear end. Is this, that he is he The one thing that he hasn't lost uh, is getting off a player a year yeah. a year too early rather than a year too late. That's something that, that he's been good at from day one in New England and is still good at it. Where he falls short is he's great at letting players go. He's not great at bringing players in. And right. I think that that's been the downfall of Bill.
1: No question. Yeah, it, and it's I think it's starting to wear on people. I'm starting to hear things I've never heard before, right? And uh, yeah. he's trying to resurrect some things right now. This is probably a pretty good start because if it doesn't work – all they can say is we gave up a late six and seven swap and one and a half million dollars. And it's really no skin off our back.
0: So Randy Gregory has been in the news of the Denver Broncos. He's set to be released. Hasn't happened yet as of this recording, but he's got a checkered past. Is this something that you think is more so the Broncos want it or, or Gregory wants it?
1: Yeah, it sounds a little of both. I think he was benched last week um, or, or, put into a depth role last week. So they're trying to start some younger guys. Uh, they're rebuilding on the fly here in Denver, which is nuts because they just paid their coach $100 million and the quarterbacks owed, I don't know, what, 109 more, what 140. Some some crazy number I can't even remember because I'm trying not to bring myself to Russell Wilson's contract every week, even though it's getting to that point. Um, this is just an example of we're starting to get rid of, of high-priced contracts. This guy asked out. Um, which I don't think is going to be the, the last, right? Or you may hear some Jerry Judy news and some Cortland Sutton news and things like that here soon, but it seems like this is a sinking ship. And again, this was you know 14 million cash paid last year, he's got another 14 million guaranteed this year. You're talking about 28 million dollars for a player who's played, I don't even think 10, right? It's exactly 10 games right now, so 10 wow. games. For twenty-eight million dollars, that's um, that's just where we are this part of the season, and in, it's it's a world where dead cap doesn't matter anymore, and that's a, that's something I want to get out there a little bit here. Teams just aren't afraid of it, um, and and right now teams aren't afraid of paying cash either, right? You've got two significant defensive players right now getting paid to go away, literally getting paid tens of millions of dollars to go away, and it's just for the roster spot. We want to take a roster spot and give it to a practice squad player because that player only costs us $41,000 a week. And we think that if we can start to develop that player, we'll be better in two years for it. That's the mindset right now. It's not great you know, for like veterans trying to get free agent contracts, because if this stuff is happening in week five, it's going to start happening more and more in free agency, even though we've seen it quite a bit already. So I don't think it's a great look. It feels like everybody's trying to moneyball their situation right now. And there's a lot of halfway decent players just being tossed aside if you're not playing quarterback right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, we still see some big names that are sitting out there in free agency. So it's not yeah. that big of a surprise. I do think Sean Payton's at the point where he sees this is getting yeah. embarrassing quickly. And, yeah. you know, if he can make it look like, hey, I, even if you're a big name player, who makes a lot of money, I'll move off of you. It, it might be something he's doing to save face. You know, there's only so much you can do. Players have seen right through Russell Wilson. It's It's been years now. Oops. Players in Seattle did. Players in, in Denver. He had the workout room on the second floor, which is a big story. Last year, uh, I think that they did away with that. Marshawn Lynch, I saw yesterday, he did an interview with Shannon Sharp where he exposed that he's played for years with Russell Wilson and never had his phone number in his phone. That's how little they communicated. It's just it's wild. wild. It's just not a guy that players can connect with. It doesn't seem like that's changing.
1: No. I mean, he's in his twilight years here. So it's just, uh, it's a money grab right now until it's not, he's played pretty well this year, but that team's not ready. There's there's nothing yeah. about that team that's ready to win ballgames.
0: So Daniel Jones was a disaster last week, four years, $160 million. I'll remind folks out there that that was the extension he signed in the off season is it fair to say that if we gave some truth serum to uh, the Giants' management team, that they would want that one back?
1: Yeah, you know, I think a franchise tag would have been a smarter move here. You know, and uh, and sort of cutting their hedges with Saquon Barkley, especially after his injury stuff. Now, um, it is eighty-one million guaranteed. So you know, the one sixty is fake money. At the, you know, for the most part, right now, but. Sure, it sure looks like he's going to get eighty one for two years, and then they're going to cut eight after that. We'll see. Um, you know, part of this is him. You know, I've heard quite a bit of analysis on this, and and the the rate at which he gets rid of the ball changes every week, and they sort of ebb and flow as that changes. But man, oh man, that's an offensive line that just can't hold him up. And yeah. they did invest. I don't think they did enough. How many times are we gonna say this though? I mean, you can't you cannot screw around with that, especially when you have a maybe quarterback. And that's what he is, right? That's what the Tannehill has always been, Kirk Cousins. Those teams have not screwed around with maybe quarterbacks above average, but not elite who can carry teams by themselves. The Giants just needed to do better, and I don't think they did enough. weapons or offensive line-wise.
0: Yeah, it sounds so simple. Just upgrade your know, offensive line, but there must be, you know, there's only so many good ones to go around. Every year in the NFL, since I've been watching the sport, there are bad offensive lines, and yeah, yeah. I, and and that's part of it. But like you said, Daniel Jones, you can only—he's making a lot of money. You can only let him off the hook so much. Uh, I know that this was one that's been on your mind for months, and uh, will definitely be even more so in the coming months. Shohei Otani's camp made it public that they were disappointed in the way that the season went. No shock, by the way. Uh, in retrospect, what did the Angels give up? by not trading him when they had the chance? Is this something that you think they're going to look back and really regret uh, when he walks out the door? I don't think so.
1: I really don't think so. We went through this with Bryce Harper a couple years ago, five years ago now, I just heard. Um, I just don't think even the best player in the league on a rental with two months to go in the season is going to bring that much back. I, I just don't. You know, if you remember what Boston got back from Mookie Betts with a whole year remaining, it was before his final year of arbitration and his arbitration salary had already settled, right? he They knew what he cost and they know they had a full season with him left. And he still only brought back a couple of B prospects and a starting center fielder in Alex Verdugo. I, I just don't think that there's really that much traction to to, to trading a player this late, right? The Mets are, Mets are talking about it right now. Pete Alonzo. I just don't think they're going to find the package that they want. That's worth taking, you know, losing that player for one year, taking all those seats out of, out of the stadium. Cause that's, what's going to happen. Right. We talked about the sweet payments that Otani brought in for just this year alone, the Jersey sales, just the media attention. Will they trade him at the deadline? Won't they trade him? Just having him on your team for that media attention is marketable. Right? So I don't think it was the right, it was the wrong decision to keep him. Um, and th- look, I talked about this with Dan on Monday. They signed players in the offseason, they gave him a, a, an historic arbitration salary without basically without him asking. They acquired everybody in the world they could think of at the trade deadline. They tried. I mean they 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 gave it their best effort. They were four seasons too late on this. All right, you don't do this yeah. in the last year, you do this 3 years ago and hope that you can, you know, finagle yourself into the right roster eventually. So they were absolutely in the in the wrong for a lot of this but i think they did they gave their best effort this year.
0: So let's wrap the podcast with uh, the same way that we started it. Rays, Brewers, Marlins all eliminated from the postseason, mm. all ranked 19th or lower in total payroll. Does yeah. that tell us anything about where we are in the current state of baseball?
1: Yeah, that the Mets should have won the World Series. <laughs> there
0: you go. That's it. You pay the money, you get the championship.
1: Yeah, that's right. You just pay for the rings now.
0: <laughs> no, um, I, I I have always
1: thought that middle of the road will win in this league. I've always thought that. Um, it's very rare in any of these sports that we track that the highest paid, highest cap allocated, highest average salaried team goes all the way to the finish line. It almost never happens. Um, so generally speaking, it's the balance. And if you're looking at it right now, and I'm not looking, I just know... Minnesota, Minnesota has the most balanced payroll of this entire crop left. So I can tell you right now, that's the team that my, my gut says probably has enough ammo to get to the finish line and they have the starting pitching to do it too. Um, but if you're going to tell me that the Braves or Texas, Texas is fourth right now, the Braves, I think are top eight, um, get themselves all the way there and get this thing done fine. Right. They're, they're the perfect mix of, of young and old and they've got the energy to do it. Um, but I've always steered toward middle of the road and, and especially in the NFL. That seems to be how the trends really have focused for the last 10 or 15 years. So um I'm not shocked that the Moneyball teams didn't get here. Um, but look, Baltimore's still out there. And Baltimore may be the feiciest team we have left right now outside of Atlanta. And if you tell me we get an Orioles Braves World Series, I'm in. And I don't care what the money looks like. I'm totally in.
0: Sign me all the way up for that. And this man right here, and won't surprise you, knows what he's talking about. The Minnesota Twins, 16th overall in Major League Baseball payroll. So there you go. That's info you're just not getting anywhere else. I love that. You should look at that when you before you make your futures bets. Look at who's in the middle of the road in all these sports. That does it for today's edition of the Track podcast. If you like the content you hear on this channel, follow, rate, review, subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. SpotTrack.com for all the latest in the contractual world. Till next time.